0: The energy and the the, the the positivity towards like the N.W.A. and towards the show and stuff was just unbelievable. Billy's and, and Dave's vision, to me, so far, has been very, very, very good.
1: As much as it's a throwback, it's really just, it's a format that works. And it, honestly, it's the same format as every other wrestling show. It's just, the environment is so different.
0: They have
2: been giving opportunities to people like me that haven't had an opportunity the way that we are
1: here. It's a little bit old with the new. It's the most historic,
0: longest running organization around. Man, I I feel like we're setting things on fire at this point.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Prime Time with Sean Mooney. I want to welcome all of our new listeners that are joining us after watching yet another compelling episode of NWA Power. Uh, Things are definitely heating up in the world of the National Wrestling Alliance, and this week... We will welcome a man from the roster who is fast becoming one of the most popular wrestlers in the NWA, Trevor Murdoch, right here on Prime Time. Uh, I have to tell you, I am just so excited about all the things that are going on uh, surrounding PTSM, and I hope you are too, because we've got a lot of great stuff coming your way. Uh, Before we get to Trevor, I want to thank everybody who submitted questions last week for our latest edition of AMA. You know what that is. Ask Mooney. Anything, (laughs) but we really we had some great questions, and it was great to hear from so many people interested in finding out how the connection to the NWA came about uh, and uh, all that has happened since. Uh, Besides Trevor Murdoch, we plan on bringing uh, a lot of other stars of the NWA to PTSM. Uh, We put out a poll uh, this past week, and it looks like uh, many of you out there, many of our listeners, would like to see us do uh, another podcast uh, totally devoted to the NWA and its personalities. I tell you, I would love to hear uh, more from you, uh, more of your thoughts on us doing just that. And uh, you can do that by emailing me at primetimemooney at gmail.com, okay? Primetimemooney at gmail.com. I check uh, that uh, email account every single day. And so I will read your email and get back to you. But I I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, You know, let me know what you think. Do you like us uh, having a guest here on, on Primetime with Sean Mooney, or would you like us to have uh, an entirely um, po- different podcast devoted to the NWA and all its happenings and all its uh, great personalities? So once again, uh, email me at primetimemooney at gmail.com. But right now, it's time to hear from one of the greatest wrestlers ever, Trevor Murdoch. Ding, ding, ding. my guest this episode is an individual who many uh remember from his time with the wwe but he also spent time in uh, tna or, or impact wrestling he is a throwback wrestler a brawler and as they say one tough sumbitch trevor murdoch welcome to primetime how are you
0: right on sean thank you for having me bud
1: yeah love uh love uh chatting with you and uh you know, uh, we'll get into your career and how you uh, travel this path, but of course, everybody now knows that uh, you're with the new NWA and it's a power program. Are you surprised by the reception that you've received there? It's it's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, I'm e- extremely surprised. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, as when you're running a character with Trevor Murdoch, I've been a heel most of my career, so yeah. people are yelling and screaming at me and you know they like to call me names and, and i'm okay with that with the gimmick so yeah. after a while with me stepping out of the uh stepping out of the scene for a while and, and kind of just doing my own thing to come back to such fanfare it, it really is heartwarming for me it, it makes me feel like my work hasn't gone unnoticed
1: man i'll tell you and uh uh you know uh, a lot of people remember your days in the wwe and uh you spent a number of years there and uh, two great success and uh you know uh I, I I'm sure I can put this delicately, but I'm I'm sure you when, when I say it, but I mean, you're not exactly a uh, a chiseled figure, but right? Uh, <laughs> no, I
0: I got a mirror, Sean. I yeah. know what I look like, big guy.
1: <laughs> but no, but I tell you, man, you you can flat out work. I mean, I'm telling you, when I uh, saw you back, and I was like, wow. I mean, he hasn't been around for a while, and I think that they are some of the best matches they have had on there. With you coming in. And I, and there was no real fanfare to it. It's not like they you know, they build you up and, I'll, oh, my God, you're not going to believe this guy. But really, I have to tell you, I have enjoyed those matches so, so much. And uh, you haven't lost a step in the ring. I mean, did you keep working, or how did you uh, get that? Uh... I still yeah.
0: still do matches here and there. Um, but also, with Harley's school, I got to go up there and work out with a lot of his trainees and try to help develop those guys as well. Um, but it's, you know, you know, Sean, you've been around the wrestling world, um, for a long time. You yeah. know how it is. If it's, it's the wheel, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. And I go out there and I do what I was trained to 20 plus years ago. And that's just go out there, and tell a story and, and work your ass off. The, the great thing about the NWA is, it's a very dressed-down situation. There's no lights, no smoke, no music. Yeah. There's you and another individual, and you got to go out there and perform in front of a live audience. And, and if you got it, you've got it. And if you don't, those people will let you know you don't. So I, I feel really excited, really happy that the fans are still with me, and they still let me know, hey, listen, for a fat guy, you can still do it.
1: <laughs> well, and the thing about it is, you know, with today's product and what's out there, it's... It's high flying. It's these unbelievable moves where you guys are jumping off balconies onto chairs and and flipping over the top rope into ma- you know a crowd of guys. You're depending on uh, catching you, and it's no knock. I mean, if that's what people want to go and see, but you know, I I'm old school where I want to see a story told, and uh, you know, and 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 good wrestling, and uh, it's it, it seems as though they're they're trying to stay, stay true to that, and people are responding to it, which I really think is great well it's
0: it tells you right there that people still love competition between two athletes that go in there i I don't knock anybody for if they want to do flips and dives and that's how they entertain the folks that's a there's a there's enough room for everybody uh but for me i like to see two guys go in there and knock the piss out of each other and not know who's going to win. There's a lot of times you can watch, and, and I may get heat for this, but you can watch the WWE product, you can watch the Impact product, mm-hmm. and at times you can watch the AEW product, and you know who's going to win or lose. You can't you can't say the same thing about the NWA product because they've been able to keep everybody to a certain level that you don't know who's going to win or lose. So you're with them for the whole ride to the end, and the fan is just as surprised as everybody else on who wins or loses yeah. That's what wrestling's about. You're supposed to be entertained all the way to the finish. Yeah, a tell a story. You know, take me that. for a
1: ride, you know? I want to be entertained. Take yeah. me for a ride. But it's really awesome. And it
0: it also gives the fans something to get behind when they see a guy going out there knocking the piss out of somebody yeah. and that guy keeps coming back. Yeah. Like that's what you want to see out of somebody. Yeah, I can do an amazing flip or I can do an amazing hurricanrana or or whatever but can you go on there and take the shots from this heavyweight crew, you know, this guy that's laying the wood to you, and come back and still put on a good match? Yeah, That's what I like to see.
1: Yeah, and so you mentioned that you it's not like you haven't been in the ring, but what was it about the NWA that enticed you to get back on that that big stage where, uh, you know, that, uh, these audiences and the way people are reacting to you, what was it about Billy and, and Dave Lagana that, uh, that made you think, yeah, you know, I think I, I would uh, enjoy it?
0: Uh, there's a couple of reasons. Um, first and foremost, Dave and Billy, when they came to me, um, when they talked to me, I could feel like they still believed in me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they still felt like like there was definitely some, some mileage left in me. And that, that definitely encouraged me. But in the same sense, um, coming from my background and my past, Uh, Harley, my trainer, my mentor, my guy, eight-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion for the NWA, my whole career I've been secretly wanting this. I've been wanting to follow in his steps. I've been wanting to walk his path, and now I've got the opportunity, so when when the NWA contacted me, when Harley passed away, Mm -hmm. it just truly felt like there was a call, and there was a moment being put on me, a spotlight put on me saying, Trevor, This is what you're supposed to do next. This is where you're going. And I haven't had that direction in a long time, nor have I been excited about wrestling for a company like the NWA, the way I am for a long time. You know, it's, it's, I come from a different background and a different upbringing when it comes to the business. And it just truly felt for like a long time, Sean, that I was a round peg, no pun intended in a square world. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, the NWA said, No, man. We've uh, we've got a spot for you and and we just want you to go do you. We don't you know, they didn't come in there and say, Trevor, we we want you to do this, 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 this and, and then we don't want you to dislike this. Don't say these words. Um, there was no parameters of what not to do. There, Dave, uh Dave and, and Billy they, they said, Go do you and let's see what happens. And, man, it's turned out really well.
1: <laughs> yeah. well you you mentioned that, you know, uh, a round peg in a square hole. What was it that, uh, you know, what, what do you mean by that exactly as far as uh, them not letting you develop your character the way you thought it should be developed, or, or what was it?
0: Well, well, when you work for larger companies yeah. and they micromanage everybody yeah. in that larger company, you have people that are telling you, how to do your job that one has never laced up a pair of boots. Most of them have never even been in a fist fight, yeah. let alone, you're going to go out there and tell me how to do my job and what looks good and what doesn't look good. And what, uh, um, you know, I am not trying to bury anybody, yeah. but they were more worried about protecting everybody else than what I was as, a, as an individual, as a character, as a person, what I wanted to come across to the people, you haven't seen in a long time. You haven't seen a guy that, that goes out there, and yeah, he may not look like a million dollars, but you don't want to mess with him.
2: Yeah, yeah. You
0: know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, and, absolutely. And those those individuals are very real.
2: Yes,
0: yeah. they are everywhere. Um, I can walk you through my town and point out five different individuals that you'd have to pay me to fight because I knew at the end of the day I was going to lose something. <laughs> and those. those people are very real in this world and why not are, why aren't they in a, in a, in a situation where they're, they're focused on and people know who they are and let them do what they can do. And I know what I, what to do in that ring. I know how to get reactions. I know how to get the people to ride that emotional roller coaster that they pay money for. And it just seemed like when I was with those larger companies, they weren't looking at that picture does that make any sense at all
1: no absolutely because uh you know right when, I, when i worked there with the, with the wwf uh which it was at the time they didn't do that and i think that's why it was so successful which kind of amazes me that somehow they lost <coughs> that in, in that journey to becoming this uh right. massive you know corporate uh you know entity what what you know uh, how they've uh, scripted everything and now it is it's micromanaged because they're just so afraid one thing's going to go off track and it's going to screw up every you know and in, instead of just no let it happen let these guys uh you know they 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 you can guide them you can have storylines that you have uh, that fold into other you know superstars storylines as well but at the, when it comes right down to it they have to be that they have to be able to live that character because if they don't if they don't believe it, how the hell are you going to make somebody who's out in a, an arena believe it? So, uh, yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you're 100%.
0: About. Yeah. Well, and if you notice with NXT, they're pulling the reins off those guys a little bit yeah. and letting them just be themselves. They're not, you know, some of those guys may make some off comments on social media. They're not initially, like, bearing those guys. They're not getting in trouble anymore. Whereas before you couldn't make a comment on social media, whether it was good or bad, and somebody inevitably wouldn't like it, and you'd get heat for it. And it makes no. After a while, that that talent becomes so concerned that they're going to make the wrong step that they're not able to make the right one. Yeah. And now they're letting they they're letting NXT let them guys do them, and man, they're getting over. It's working it's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's awesome, and it's, it's funny you say, you know, that you spent most of your career as a heel, but I always thought that, it, you know, I think that there's a lot more people behind that character than you would ev- ever believe, because like you said, they're these guys that they don't look menacing, they don't look, they don't have the physical appearance, but you mess with them, or mess with somebody they uh, love, you're going to pay a deep price for it, and I think that I think there's a lot more there you know it's whether you want it to be that way but it's you're you're a baby face and and I think it was that true then uh you know and and especially since the lines have been blurred we've seen it happen but I think it's a, it's an awesome character always has been because that's the guy that you want to be friends with you're at a you're in a bar somewhere and somebody messes with you and he's the guy that steps in and takes care of business for you you know and it's uh I mean, I really, I've always uh, loved the character. I just thought it was uh, a a great, uh, and you knew who, and you knew who you were, you know, there was no, no question. So.
0: Well, and a lot of times I had to fight for that because everybody wanted to change me because they didn't understand me. Uh, A lot of people think rednecks or country folks, they automatically imagine deliverance.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> yeah right hillbilly yeah that don't get me wrong
0: yeah. there's some crazy folks out there and, and i'm i'm not right. saying that there isn't yeah. but I, I am saying that 99 percent of rednecks or country folks aren't what you might think they are they're just yeah. blue collar folks that yeah. working their asses off that there's there is no gray there's a yeah. right and there's yep. a wrong that's
1: right and once those. you
0: step in the wrong you need to be let you know you need to be informed don't go that direction yeah. And if life was like that, if everybody was like that, I truly believe that this world would be an easier
1: place to live in. Yeah. Forget the PC. That's all we yes, know, sir. that we're living in these days. Okay, so but let's back up though cuz I really I uh, now that we kind of uh went down that road a little bit, but uh, tell me about uh, growing up. I I uh I have to imagine you were a hell of an athlete, so what was uh you know football, wrestling, did you what did you do growing up? I
0: I played, um, I was huge into football yeah. and huge into baseball, actually. Um, when I was younger, uh, my parents, when I was about eight or nine, uh, I was living in St. Louis, actually. Uh, they sat me down, and they expressed to me that they were getting a divorce, yeah. and I needed to pick who I was going to live with. Oh, uh, I decided to live with my dad, and and things got a little crazy there for a while, um, and my mother ended up putting me in foster care, uh-huh. and I lived – in foster care for four or five years. Well, all throughout that, the only thing that was ever the same for me throughout all of that was wrestling. Like, I could always, there was always a TV mm-hmm. in these houses. And when you've got a life at the time that's in so much turmoil, you don't yeah. know where you're going, you don't know where you're staying. My one constant was was pro-wrestling. Uh, so when I was finally able to get out of that scenario, um, I had family members that felt like they didn't. they felt that I shouldn't be in that situation Uh, I I call him my dad today, his name's Earl Mm -hmm. and uh, you're talking about a man who had nine children of his own that was a truck driver that lived on one paycheck for the whole family Hmm. and spent $40,000 of his own money to pay lawyers and go through all the legal fees to get me out of that situation so as I got older uh, I fell into wrestling and my dad really encouraged me. He all the one statement, like he always told me, he goes, I've never done anything that I truly regretted. Mm. And what I took by that is there are times that he went out and he'd done things that he wanted to do and he failed. And that's part of life. But the fact of the matter is he tried them. He went out and he, he went against the norm and he tried them. So when it came time to wrestling, he was always telling me, he goes, just don't have any regrets. Mm. Don't have any regrets. Yeah, and that meant to me, don't give up, kid. Go get what you want.
1: And he was a really
0: big driving force and all of that for me.
1: Wow. So I mean, in uh, in a, maybe not a direct way, but he was telling basically, follow your dream and and don't.
0: But don't yeah, up.
1: yeah, you know, and
0: and from the situation, you know, I, I wasn't the easiest kid to deal with. Yeah. Uh, you you go from uh, a happy family situation where you think you know that uh, your your life is great and you're watching on Saturday specials about families getting divorced and then you wake up one morning and you're in that situation. Yeah, that um, yeah. yeah, and and I became a really hateful person. You know, I felt like the world owed me something, you know, oh, poor me. Mm-hmm. And then my um while I'm in the foster homes, my my biological father passed away on Thanksgiving. Oh, so that just created even more hatred and pain for me. Uh-huh. Um and which wrestling was really able to help me direct that and, and to channel that and control that.
1: How old Um, were were you then?
0: When, when When I was going
1: through all that, when your father passed, yeah, and all that was going on.
0: I was, I just, I'd been in the foster homes maybe a year and a half. So I was, I was 10.
1: Oh boy. Yeah. I
0: was 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I just, I had a lot of anger built up, you know, and why me? situations, and, um, but I was always told that, you know what, kid, if you want something, you've got to work for it, you've got to go after it, don't give up, don't, don't let anybody tell you no, they can say it, but just don't accept it, and it's been a really big driving force throughout my whole career, and it really helped me out when I met Harley and started going through wrestling training.
1: So was he your first, uh, you know, I mean, real... Uh, you know introduction to professional wrestling and where you thought you know hey maybe maybe I could do this where were you at that point uh, in getting into professional wrestling
0: I had well when before I met Harley I had I had gotten uh, my brother my biological brother was a big fan of wrestling Uh we used Sean used to watch you guys on Sunday mornings, sitting in my underwear eating cereal (laughs) Uh, you know i'm a big fan of sean mooney i was kind of popped when when we talked about doing this podcast um and my my, i'd always had a love for it my brother had met a guy at work and got on the independent scene um i had just gotten out of i graduated high school i went to job corps to become a certified welder Mm -hmm. and uh, i moved back to st louis and my brother would invite me to watch his shows well i've I've been 6'4 since I was about 14 years old. I don't know what it was. I grew up, I sprouted, and I stopped. So, they'd have me doing security. But before and after the shows, they'd have me taking all their bumps. I'd be their their tackling W. Then, I did that uh, for maybe three months and a wrestler didn't show up and the promoter's looking around and he's like, "Uh," and he points at me and he goes, you've been training, you're going to wrestle tonight.
1: Just (laughs) like every (laughs)
0: other independent guy in the business. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I did that for about two years, Sean, and I was the shits. I could sell and I could bump. But that was about it. And it was nothing against the guys that were around me. I just hadn't had that formal training, you know. And I got to go do a show for Harley. Um, he was starting a company called World Legion Wrestling, and a promoter had screwed me over uh, four or five months before that. And my like his like, hey, here I'm gonna throw you a bone because I, I screwed you over. He got me a booking for Harley, mm-hmm. and I got to work Greg the Hammer Valentine's biggest, the only name I'd ever worked up wow. to that point.
2: Wow,
0: yeah. And we're at the Gorilla. And, and Valentine's talking to me and he's like, yeah, kid, you know, he, I, you know, he, he was basically, he was giving me, giving me heads up that I could, I could have some offense if I'm going to break kayfabe a little bit.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. And Harley was right there and he pulls off his uh, headphones and he goes, Valentine, the kid doesn't get shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Greg looks at me and goes, well, you heard the boss. There you go. And I yeah. said, yes, sir, you know, I'm, I'm excited, I don't care. I'm yeah, I do care, all right. Yeah. And Greg the Valentine, you know, Greg the Hammer Valentine proceeded to beat the snot out of me for 12 minutes. And <laughs> the, I a mean, young Greenheart coming to back, is the greatest looking thing in the world. Oh, my <laughs> God, it's awesome. You know, i got my ass kicked for 12 minutes, but yeah. I was loving
1: it. By Greg Valentine. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah.
0: And uh, later on, later on that evening, um, I was sitting, you know, I went up to Harley and just asked for some advice. And uh, then he proceeded to tell me that he was opening up a school and he was, was curious if I wanted to be one of his students. Well, yeah, of course, you know.
1: Now, Had you grown uh, up? I mean, uh, I imagine you had grown up watching Harley or seeing. Oh
0: yeah. He was, you know, um, St. Louis area wrestling at the chase was huge. Um, And when you're, when you're watching wrestling and for me, it was always about the tough guys don't get me wrong, I, I like the Rick Martells and the fuck, yeah. uh, you know the guys that were you know flamboyant and the Rick Rudes and stuff, but it was those guys that that got me like you could legitimately tell like man they're gonna beat your ass yeah,
2: they're with with, with
0: a yeah. look yeah. yeah, and Harley always had this look on his face when you'd see him in the ring it, it never changed. Hmm. This, I'm looking right through you kind of look. I'm about to eat your lunch.
2: Yeah.
0: And I always was, for some reason, that always, I was always attracted to that, that character, that attitude. Um, So when I had a chance to train under, you know, get under the learning tree, not only that, but be one of his first. Yeah. Um, I was, I was all over it. Uh, Unbeknownst to me, I was going to be the guinea pig for his training school for the next six months to a year. Okay. what way we should train guys and how guys should be trained. And I mean, Sean, for my, my first three months, I puked every single day in Harley school every day. Like he was almost like he would come out and sit in his chair, smoking a cigarette. And he knew, like he knew it, Oh, it's going to happen in about five minutes. (laughs) And he's sitting there smoking and, and he'd see me drop down running out. He just, he just laughed, you know, that, that low, roar chuckle. Yeah. And uh, I'd come running in, and inevitably I'd always forget the puke bucket. And what that meant was I had to fill it up with water and splash the puke in the street so no one else would really step in it. And he'd tell me, kid, you forgot the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'd have to run back out, fill it up with water, splash it on the puke, and then run back inside and catch up on my calisthenics with everybody else. Mm. And And I think that's one of the things that, that connected me and Harley so well was that he knew that I was giving him every single thing I had every day uh, and that I was willing to do whatever it took to become great.
1: Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I mean, to have Harley races, you as a mentor, you know, <laughs> just teaching you, I mean, did you, how close did you get with him?
0: I mean, we've my, he held my children huh. before my parents did. Uh-huh. I've, there were times that I've spent holidays with him. Uh, I've sat, <laughs> I've sat in his home while he sat in his tidy whitey, drunk, <laughs> laughing at people, and I, I, and I know he'd probably kick my ass today if I told that story. But he was, he was somebody I loved. I, I went into the situation wanting to earn his respect. I wanted to earn Harley race's respect eight time NWA world heavyweight champion, Harley race. And I came out with the love of, of a man that, that I will cherish for the rest of my life. My children call him happy. Um, I love that man. I, if it wasn't for him, I would not have anything of what I have today. And when I was with the WWE, when I got let go, when my wife lost a child, he was always the first person that I called. Going, what do I do? Yeah. What do I do? And he was always there to answer that phone call and give me that advice. I miss him dearly. Uh, I I just I can't say enough good things about the person, not only the wrestler but about the person. Yeah. Uh, you, you wrestlers call him the the toughest man on the greatest or the toughest man on God's green earth when it comes to pro wrestling. But he was a teddy bear once I got past all that. Yeah. And and my kids love him. And I have pictures around my home of him. Uh, he will feel forever be embedded in my life.
1: Yeah, you know, and it's, it's interesting you talk about uh, Harley that way from that side that a lot of people never, ever got to experience because, you know, you had to earn it. Uh, to be able to be in that circle, and I can't imagine it was a it was a vast circle. But the people that were in there, I mean, I've heard them, you know, talk about him, and uh, you know, legit that he may have been the toughest individual ever uh, outside of the ring. Nobody could, uh, it came down to uh, blows, he was he was just incredible. And but well, and what, that's what you kind hear of the guy legend, Sean was. You know.
0: Well, what kind of guy walks into a bar a random bar yeah. and has and wants to play pool says quarters in front of everybody and says I'm next yeah not knowing who's in the room yeah. not caring who's in the room uh, that that takes a lot of fortitude testicular yeah. fortitude if I'm using the PC verbiage here <laughs> <laughs> you Balls. know that, yeah. That, that, that's yeah yeah.
1: No that but 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 the, but the reason I bring that up is cuz that's that's kind of the legend that followed him and man you know and there is this, there was a, a part of him that you just knew if you were around him uh that this like this menace about him that you knew like you said there are people that you just look at and you know like you do I don't know anything about this man but I would not mess with him and he was that that person but nobody but a lot of people never knew that other side to him that like you just talked about that he was a teddy bear and to him was all about respect and he would do anything for somebody that who had, who had earned that.
0: Yes, sir. He yeah, would. You yeah. were, if you were his friend, you're his friend for life.
1: Yeah. That's uh, that's really awesome. So, uh, yeah, that's all, that's incredible credentials. Uh, and, uh, you know, you following, uh, with his teachings, uh, you know, that, that is a part of wrestling that uh, we've, we've lost in, in a sense that, you know, the, the brawlers, uh, it's not, we don't see as many anymore. And it's great that there's a stage now where they can really be seen again. And, uh, you know, you're bringing that back. But uh, but with it comes the storytelling, which I think there's, is one of the most important parts of, of being in that ring. And uh, I think we've lost that. And I think that uh, this has helped bringing it back. Do you feel, you know, we, we look at this roster that's with, NW, with the uh, new NWA, and it's not real big. But you know, every single one of those guys on the roster, they, uh, knew that, uh, you know, these guys are building a foundation here. And do you feel a real part of that?
0: Oh, totally. Um, I, I, I look at the card and and there's somebody brings something to every part of that card with myself included. Um, it's, it's an exciting moment for us as, as talent to be in this locker room, uh, For the simple fact is, when you look around the locker room, everybody's got the same goal, that same intensity, that same drive to bring back pro wrestling that people understand and can go with. You and I, we brought up storytelling quite a bit in this podcast, but every one of those individuals you see on the NWA program can go out there and tell a story, not just with one person, but with anybody. And in my opinion, that's the true skill. Yeah, you've got, you've got this amazing talent right here, um, but can he wrestle to Ricky Starks and then come back and wrestle a Tim Storm and then go wrestle a Trevor Murdoch and then wrestle a Kim Anderson and still have those same great matches? Yeah. And you can say that about everybody that's on that NWA roster. And that's a testament to Billy and Dave stepping back and looking at the business and going, why aren't these guys... Why aren't they being utilized? And then to say, well, if they're no one else is going to utilize them and see that they're see that they're see their value and see what they can do for the business, well, hell, we're just going to get them all. We're going to bring them together. We're going to make our own company, and that's what they've done. And they've they were smart about who they picked first, with Nick Aldis. Yeah, that man. As much as I want his title, uh, which I do, and that's my goal. Yeah, but he's a damn fine. I mean, a fantastic representation of what we're trying to express in and out of the ring. Um, he's classy. He's got respect. He can speak very well. But he's also got talent in the ring. When you step into the ring with that guy, you know what, what he can do. And and he's the best of the best. Uh, so it seems like all these things are falling into place quite perfectly. And the fans are the ones that really get the benefit of it all, Sean.
1: Yeah no, and I tell you it, it's uh, it's been really fun to watch, and um, you know it's, it doesn't matter who they put you in the ring with; they're, they're good matches, and I'm, I'm sure that comes from your uh, your lineage here with. <laughs> and I'm going to connect you to, I mean, family basically with Harley Race, and it just shows in everything you do in the ring and how you you know present yourself and your promos. And uh, I, I did I wanted to ask you though that uh, I think one of the uh, first championships the titles that the, that you won was uh, in a match against Meng uh, everybody remembers this yeah. too but my god you talk now there's another guy that uh, you know you hear about talk about toughness but that wasn't long after you'd gotten into this business so how did that happen
0: that was um that just came down to hard work and hard work and hard work yeah. uh, there was an opportunity. Um, Harley, Harley at the time when we were, when we first started running world league wrestling, there wasn't a lot of independents bringing in names. They couldn't afford them. Well, Harley, he could afford it, but plus he also knew all these guys personally. So Harley started bringing in these names, not only to work with us, to help us get better, but to help draw houses. So, um, when Harley was bringing in names, I, I, I begged Harley, please, 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 please let me wrestle him. And, and Harley was like, you know, kid, you don't know what you're asking for. And I said, I know exactly what I'm asking for. I said, I know it's not going to be, but I want, I want this opportunity. And, uh, it just, again, you know, the stars seemed to align, right? We had, uh, a big show here in Eldon, which was our home base um, I was the local baby face, big baby face. And, uh, Harley called me in the week before and, uh, he sat me down and, uh, he goes, uh, you know, kid, I'm going to give you what you want. <laughs> and, and I had already forgotten about the conversation. And I go, well, what's that? Harley goes, you've got fucking Ming Saturday. Wow. All right. And of course, uh, you know, um, Harley kayfabe me what was going to happen towards the finish all the way to the end. Like I had no idea that was going to happen until I pinned me and he didn't kick out. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. Harley was going to keep me in the dark. And, and after the conversation I'd had with Harley after that was, um, I said, Harley, I said, was, was this your plan? And he said, it was my idea. And I said, well- well, how how did that conversation go with Ming yeah. because i just I just went over,
1: yeah. the, on number the one the really
0: run. badass yeah. dude,
2: yeah,
0: like this is the tough of tough guys, number one number two he he wasn't too far off from the w c w run and he wasn't too far from going back to his w w f run yeah w w e run yeah um, and he just he told me he goes, I asked him if it was all right if he would do that for you." Yeah. And I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "What if he would have said no, Harley?" You know, thinking Harley would be like, "Man, you do what do what the hell I say." I said, "You know, Harley, what, what if he would have said no?" He goes, "Well, you wouldn't have won." <laughs> <It's just> that, <laughs> exactly. That simple
1: kid. Yeah, yeah, real simple. And uh,
0: I was, I was like, "Wow!" Right. Which also, not only you know, I had a lot of respect for me before, but. Right. For him to do that for me, he didn't have to. He, uh, you know no, what I mean? Like no. he was a superstar. He still would have he put you over just being
1: in the ring with him would have been a big boost, right? Yeah.
0: I would have been happy, but for him to do that, so that really created a a fondness for me with Ming and yeah. Harley. Brought him in, you know, nine or ten times after that, and just sitting under his learning tree, uh, that was the cool thing about wrestle for Harley, which a lot of guys didn't get was Harley was always bringing in names for the shows. And those guys would come in a couple days early just to go out on the lake with Harley and party on Harley's boat. And they'd do that at night, but then come work with us at the training school during the day. So I'm in the ring with guys like Ron and Don Harris, Disco Inferno, Ming, um, Billy Gunn. Mm. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh Before that, that was really a thing. Those guys were putting on seminars with us before it was really a thing.
1: Yeah. That's unbelievable. And, you know, you mentioned in and Meng, and, and I've had other conversations with, uh, with people. You know, he also, I mean, has the reputation for being, I guess it may have been, you know, one and two, uh, Harley and Meng, and you probably wouldn't be able to really decide who was one, who was two. But, um, but also, I mean, like how giving he could be and what, uh, you know, and how, uh, you know, like butter in that ring with him, that he would, would just take care of people and, you know, that he could have taken your head off anytime he wanted to.
0: Oh, bro! I'm yeah. two hundred at the time. I'm two hundred and forty pounds, yeah. maybe two two fifty at the time. I was working out pretty hard for Harley, and Ming's slinging me around like I'm I'm a wet noodle at yeah. one hundred twenty pounds, like yeah. I'm nothing.
2: Right.
0: And that didn't happen back then. You know what I mean? So that there was nothing but respect. I had no choice but to respect. Not to mention, funny story. Harley had brought in Ming uh, a couple months before that. And uh, another wrestler was in the ring working with Ming. And uh, you know as well as I do in this business, when you're not the vet in the ring, you shut your mouth. Oh, yeah. Um, And this young man was trying to tell Ming what to do. (laughs) And of course all of us guys are watching this match because it's Ming and out of nowhere Ming breaks character and yells, I mean screams at the top of his lungs, Shut the fuck up <laughs> and slaps the shit out of this kid. And and we all are like, Oh no, that's well well that's not good.
1: Yeah, saw that coming. That,
0: match gets in the finish and match finishes, comes in the back, Ming's throwing chairs, yelling, Harley, what the fuck is this? You know, it is and right then and there, everybody's like, oh, no, he's, yeah, I don't, I don't ever want to make him mad. Yeah. Never. And then two months later, I'm in the ring with the guy and I'm like, oh shit, I, I, I better be careful. But he was a true gentleman, true professional. Um, treated me with respect, made me look like a million dollars. Um, he is a prime example of a guy who's not, not the character you see on TV. He yeah. plays a really good character, but yeah. he doesn't, he is not that character. Yeah.
1: But again, I mean it was all about respect. You step out of line and uh he is somebody who can certainly straighten you out in a hurry. I'm sure that guy got out of that building <laughs> real fast.
0: In a heartbeat. That day. Yeah. In a heartbeat.
1: Yeah. So I mean you've you you've had a really interesting uh road that you've traveled, uh uh even working with Extreme Championship Wrestling, ECW. Uh, coming from where you where you were, you know, taught, where you did your schooling, and then going into a, a situation like that, what was that experience like because uh you know they prided themselves in you know stepping outside of the the norm and and uh going to the extreme so what was that experience like for you
0: well sean i'm gonna have to tell you but that's the one of the biggest misconceptions of my career i don't know who've done that but i've never wrestled for ecw and believe it or not you're not the first interviewer that's asked me that Well, they say you know stand up
1: where did stand up come from
0: Stand Up was an ECW character. Yeah. Um, a stand, stand Up wasn't the Dupps were an ECW character. And oh, so when okay. they got brought to TNA, they brought the Dupps, but they didn't bring all of them.
2: Uh-huh. And
0: at the time, Ron Harris was real tight with Jeff Jarrett and was helped creating TNA. Uh, again, that goes back to me being thankful for Harley. Harley had the wherewithal to think wow, Jeff Jarrett starting. Uh, going to be starting a nationally televised wrestling program. Why don't I bring him in for one of my shows and have him work some of my guys and see what he thinks? And sure enough, Harley put me in a singles match with Jeff Jarrett in St. Louis, Missouri at the Shrine Moss. And I uh, had a great match with Jeff. I had a really good relationship with Ron Harris. And about three weeks later, Ron calls me and says, hey, he goes, we're going to bring you in we're bringing these characters from ECW called the Dubs, and we're going to bring you in, and we're going oh, to tag okay. you with this guy named Murray, yeah. and you guys are going to be the Dubs. He's going to be Bo Dub, You're going to be Stand Up, And that's that's maybe where the yeah, ECW that's... connection is.
1: Yeah, we well, see I've how this never... travels. It's like telephone.
0: Yes. Yes, telephone. Because really, I was never – I,
1: I don't know the history of ECW at all. I, I'm, uh, you know, so – I apologize for that. No,
0: be- no, no. That's where I think that's where the connection is. Um right. and for me I had to go back, I hadn't even watched the dubs. So I literally when 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 Ron calls me and I'm, Yes sir, yes sir, yes sir, any opportunity, yes sir. When I got done I'm like, Well holy shit. I don't know nothing about these guys. Right. I had to go back and and do research. Uh, I called Murray, had him send me some tapes, so I could find out what I was doing, and then integrate myself into that character and be that person. Yeah.
1: So this was all this the way this all came about was through TNA, and then bringing over. Yes,
0: this was. I was there first. I was a part of their. When I don't know if you remember, they used to do the TNA used to be nothing but pay per views, a weekly pay per view. You had yeah. to pay like ten bucks. I think the I think the deal was. WWE charges you forty to fifty dollars for one pay per view. Why not pay forty dollars a month and get four pay per views, one a yeah, week? One a week, yeah. And, and I was I was on their first nine set of TV uh, TV tapings okay. until I went to Japan, and then they never called me back. But <laughs> that's another story. All right, so but um, take
1: me back, though, and tell you know let's correct the uh, the record here and. Uh, tell me how the path to tna happened
0: i um ron and don it was it was just like that actually it really happened where i had a connection with ron and don harley brought in jeff to have the match um, i had a great singles match with jeff Jarrett, and and that it was it really trickled down just like that all right here's a kid that we think can work i got i actually got to wrestle the boss mm mm-hmm. mhm and, and I got a call like eight or, uh, three or four weeks later saying, hey, listen, we're going to bring you in to stand up. This is what we're going to do. And you've got here's when we're going to here's our start date. And they told me what they were going to pay me, which wasn't much, um, which that wasn't anything against them. I was a no name guy coming in for an opportunity. Um, and I, I sent them pictures the next week of my gear, what I thought would be stand up. And and literally, I was in my car driving to Nashville two weeks later, having my first pay-per-view televised television match. And uh, I did that for about eight or nine weeks, and it was literally a week-by-week call. Like, I'd get done, drive home from Nashville, I'd get a call on Tuesday, okay, we're going to use you for this week. And I had gotten, um, Harley was trying to get me in Japan at the time. And I'd gotten a deal with Noah to come in for my first three-week tour. So I told TNA, listen, guys, I got booked in Japan. I'm going to be gone these, this week, this week, and this week. And they were like, thank you. We appreciate you giving us a heads up. It gives us an opportunity to write you out of the story and then write you back in. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Russo was working the back there. And he was the, the lead creative, the head writer. Um, and I was in contact with him the whole time. Even called him up to the point a week before I was coming back. Hey, listen, just remind you, I'm coming back in a week. They, as soon as I got home, they never picked up my phone my phone calls after that. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the deal was. Like, I never even, like, even on the back end, you know how it is, Sean, you hear later on down the road, you know, well, this is what I heard why you weren't doing this, whatever. I never even heard. They just stopped contacting me. And of course, as a young guy, you're like, oh, shit, my world's over. I, yeah. I've somehow ruined my, my only TV opportunity. My career's going oh, to shit. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, as you get older and you look back, you go, no, it wasn't me. It was a company. Yeah. <laughs> uh, business. <laughs> so, yeah. It is what it is, man. And, and then I just, from there on, I started wrestling. You know, I just stayed focused wrestling for Harley, trying to get opportunities. Um, I had wrestled for WWE, you know, Harley would get us tryouts every time they were in town, and I had wrestled for them eight or nine different times, doing dark matches, uh, I was doing security, like, I don't know if you remember the one time when Bischoff was there and Kane was being brought out in an ambulance, Yeah, I was one of the security guards that undid his shackles and all that stuff, yeah. and nobody had paid me not a lick of attention, you know, I always got the, good job, kid good job kid but never got a phone call Um, and that just kind of proved to me like well maybe this is not the place for me like maybe this isn't where I'm destined to be at Um, so I had really focused my career on Japan and Harley called me up one day and he goes hey you've got an opportunity to go back to Japan they'd like you to go through the dojo Hmm. and I was like man that's that's a lot Harley like that's the dojo's no joke in Japan. Yeah, you know okay. And um he goes, Well kid, it's you know the decision's up to you and I said, Well I said let's do it, you know, yeah. and I went over there and that began my journey of doing five hundred squats a day, three hundred push ups a day, three to four minute neck bridges, a hundred to hundred and fifty bumps a day. Um Still need the bucket over there <laughs> Oh yeah, every day. Every day. <laughs> You Jesus. know you, you just you can't especially you're pushing yourself yeah. um and and the Japanese found that you know they found it gross, but they also knew that I was pushing myself to my limits, yeah. you know every day and um, I got done with my first three months and they said, hey, do you you want to come back?" and there had been other wrestlers that had been invited to come over, but after their first three months, they wanted to go home mm-hmm. like they didn't they didn't want to stay there, and I wanted to be different number one number two, I wanted to I was representing Harley, um, so I wanted them to know that, you know, his guys are just as tough as he is. And so uh, I said, yeah, I'll come back for three months, and another three months. So I had to come home for uh, three weeks to do my visa paperwork and stuff. And my girlfriend, who's now my beautiful wife, uh, she she got the shitty end of the deal because I came home, and she was so happy. I'd been gone for three months. And I kept my mouth shut about it for a week because oh, I didn't want to ruin. Yeah. I didn't want to ruin that for her. And uh, after that first week, I said, "Hey, I talked to you, and uh, I said in two weeks I'm leaving for another three months." Yeah. And uh, all credit goes to her. She stuck by my side, and she was my ride and died, and, and then dealt with the bills and the house and, and the kids and everything. And and I came back, and you know, she's my wife. You know, yeah. She's my queen. Uh, But when I came back from there, you know, my whole goal was, all right, I just spent six months in the dojo in Japan getting acquainted with every wrestler, getting beat up by every wrestler over there, letting them know this is what I want. And I'm home for maybe two weeks. And Harley goes, I got you a tryout with WWE. I said, all right, right on. You know, I was, okay, cool. You know, and it was one of those deals where, you know, you go up there, they might use you, they might not use you. But they still paid you two hundred fifty bucks to show up, and you got badass catering. So I was like,
1: "Shoot, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Oh yeah!"
0: Before you
1: know we that. talk about the That's... WWE, though, because you kind of glossed by this, but uh, people don't really understand what it's like to work in Japan. It is uh, it is an entirely different world, and I, I would say, you know, wouldn't you? Would you? Uh, when I say that uh, stiff is an understatement, what? Uh, Oh, it's a a complete
0: understatement. (laughs) Wrestling is still in the newspapers over there Mm -hmm. as a legitimate sport because Mm -hmm. it is a legitimate, like it's as legitimate as it's going to get, you Mm -hmm. know. And with being a young guy over there, those guys, are they test you. And what I mean by test you is they will beat the shit out of you until you fight back. And that's what they want. They want a guy who's willing to fight back. And a lot of Americans don't understand that when they go over there. And these guys are beating the snot out of them. They're like, what would I do wrong? What the hell? Well, you didn't do nothing wrong except not fight back, you pussy. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, and it's it's a very, uh, you know, kayfabe is number one over there. Heel yeah. locker room, baby face locker yeah. room. Uh, there is no going out and hanging out with your opponents. It's legit, you know, and not to mention being a young boy, I had to get up every morning, clean, even if we weren't doing shows, okay, I'd have to get up in the morning, I'd have to be at the dojo before everybody else, clean the dojo for an hour, mm. then you go through four or five hours of training. Then when you're done, the wrestlers, like the legit wrestlers, they stay and work out with weights in the gym. Well, you go back to the apartment and you start to make lunch for everybody. You make wow. chunko basically. Yeah. So you're not only you're sweated your ass off, you clean their dojo you you're You're half dead because they've they've just run you plumb to the ground, yeah. squats, bumps, and everything. then you got to cook lunch for everybody and I didn't do this completely by myself. There were other young boys right. to do it too, yeah. but that was that was my life for six months Jeez. and then if we were on the road, I had to get up If we went to another town, I'd have to get up before everybody because each wrestler had different drinks that they would drink at the shows. So you would have to go to the convenience store and buy these drinks, not out of your money, out of company money, yeah. but have these drinks and the coolers at the shows and make sure each locker room had newspaper over the windows, each locker room had their drinks, each locker room had towels. And then you went back out to the ring and you did your your, your 500 squats, your 300 push-ups, your 100, 150 bumps. Then you went back and you had your match.
1: Right, Then, then you, you had your wrestling. And whether or not you went over or not, you got the crap beat out of you, no matter you know,
0: what, what <laughs> yeah, happened. because you're the young boy. Yeah. and You take the heat. You yeah. take everything. You take the pin. You, you're it. And then at the end of the match, you've got to go back to the back, change your clothes as quickly as possible, and run out to the ring. Because as a young boy, you're required to be by the ring and watch the rest of the matches so you can get better. And then when you're done there, you got to clean up all, all the locker room's mess, get everything back on the bus and head to the next town. And that's, you know, and, and that's was my life for wow. six months.
1: Well, uh, you talk about paying your dues, but what did that do for you as a professional wrestler, especially when you came back to the States?
0: Um, it, well, it certainly gave me uh, a certain amount of respect for everybody when it comes to the business mm-hmm. and for the older generation of the guys, what they had to go through in the Japanese culture. Uh, but it also kind of humbled me a little bit. When I seen a guy going through some tough times, you know, I encouraged him. You know what I mean? That yeah. definitely knocked the cockiness out of me and made me a, a humble. Res- I mean, I was respectful before, but I came back. I was extremely respectful. Um, it also gave me a certain amount of confidence, too, Sean. Like, yeah, I don't look chiseled, but you can't blow me up, and you sure as help you. Beat my ass because there ain't nothing you could do to me worse than what those guys just did to me, and so when I got to the WWE, I had to deal with that. Like I didn't look like a million dollars, and I was getting put on the main roster TV in front of guys who'd been in developmental, working their ass off, who looked like a million dollars, and they just got brought up, and they're like, "Wait a minute, who's this guy guy, who just came off the independence wrestling for wrestling a show for Harley on Friday?" And you're on Monday Night Raw that Monday. Who the hell are you? And those guys would try to run me through the paces. I mean, just try to blow me up. And they couldn't do it, and it pissed them off. They're like, what? Until they finally realized, okay, wait a minute. Now we know why he's here. The guy can work. The guy's tough as nails. The guy, you can't blow him up. And I'm I'm all about the match, Sean. It don't matter how good I look. If the match is shit, when people walk out of the arena, they're going to say that match was shit. Yeah. It doesn't matter how good I look. Guys don't understand that nowadays.
1: Yeah. Now, have you have you enjoyed that though throughout your career that uh, you know, be, you know, surprising people uh, that uh, you know they 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 have this one view of you when they first step new in a ring or even see you, and then uh, by the time they step out of that ring, they've got uh, a bit of respect for sure.
0: Oh, of course, yeah. no. It's got its good and bads. Yeah. Um, Sean, it it hasn't at times me sticking to my morals and what I think a wrestler should be and what I should do in the ring yeah. hasn't always been the best career choice for me. Um, there are times that I could have done things that I would have made great money at, but I just wasn't willing to sacrifice who I was as a person. Uh-huh. Um, whereas, and, and that going through all of that stuff and, and people looking at me with, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. It's given me a, a leverage of all right this guy's the real deal that's the one thing i'm thankful for with nwa like i keep hearing that this guy's the real deal like he's the old school like he's the real there's a lot of pride in that yeah um for me also it's a lot of pride if harley was here you know what i mean because he didn't train just a guy that could do some spots people i feel as if people are starting to respect me for what i've done and where i've been and what i'm willing to do to entertain them yeah
1: so what was that first experience like though with the wwe because you know that had to be a major goal at the time for you and
0: uh oh i was completely fish out of water um for the simple fact is that a lot of those guys go through developmental and they see how the wwf wwe right it's like being
1: uh, in the minor leagues yeah yeah yeah
0: and, 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 but, in the, but they all, they're able to at least get a view of how to react, how to behave, who to mm-hmm. talk to. Um, I didn't have any of that. Right. So I re I had to rely a lot on my tag partner, Lance, you no. know, who we need to talk to, who not to talk to, uh, how to behave when, you know, if you want to act a fool, where to do it. You know, I was, I was heavily relying on him for like that first year, uh-huh. um, um, but after that, you start, and you know how the machine works, Sean, after you're around it a while, you yeah. know, all right, talking to that guy, it's just, it's a waste of time, yeah. you know? And, and that's where, like, we started getting more of a push if you look throughout the career towards the middle of when I was there, because I finally got talking to, I finally got tired of talking to writers that weren't getting anything, writers that weren't speaking up for me, people who wasn't speaking. We went to Vince. I'm like, if I'm going to have anybody tell me no, yeah. it's going to be Vince. Right. You know, at least at least I can respect that answer. And there were four or five times that we weren't being put on TV, and we didn't know why. And we went to Vince. Like one time, we were off TV for four or five weeks, and we were throwing I, we were writing ideas for us and giving them to the writers, the people who should be writing the ideas, the people who are getting paid to write ideas. Right. We were doing it for ourselves, and they weren't getting anywhere. So we went. We tracked down Vince. We saw him in catering the one time he was by himself, and we sat right next to him. And we said, Vince, you're not putting us on TV. We want to know why. And he goes, he looked at Lance. He goes, I hate your fake black hair. And he looked at me, and he goes, I hate your pasty white skin. We said, okay. We got up. The next day, I was tan. My partner was blonde. I'll be <laughs> damned if we weren't on TV that next week.
2: Yeah.
0: And I'm like, Wow. Why couldn't have this happened three or four weeks yeah, it ago? saved a lot
1: of time. <laughs> <laughs> it saved us
0: everybody time, money. And Sean, that was like the beginning of my disdain yeah. with the business. Yeah, Like I've worked my whole career. I've, I've trained by one of the toughest guys in the business. I just went through six months of hell. Yeah. And my career is halted because somebody couldn't send an email or or make a phone call or just... Give me a heads up. That's where my career was. And it, it it really bothered me. Like, wow, all that hard work and one lazy asshole putting a hold on it. You yeah. know, cause that's, to me, that's all it was, laziness. You're paying me. You're putting me on your TV. You're telling me you ain't got enough time and energy to give me a two-minute phone call to tell me to change something so it works better for you. And it really started leading me down my path of maybe, maybe this business isn't made for me. Maybe I was born in the wrong time frame. Maybe I'm, I'm I'm the round peg in the square hole, yeah. and it slowly started just making me have disdain for the pro wrestling business.
2: Yeah,
1: but I've heard that you know time and time again that it wasn't uh, you know proving yourself out in the ring wasn't the problem for people that had been through there and uh, had worked their ass off to get there, and it's back behind that curtain, and people not knowing how you find your way through all this there's of course a ton of politics going on back there because everybody wants their time in front of that uh, those cameras but nobody knows you know what's the protocol here you know you you got people that uh, you know that say that uh, you know you just go to events and tell him well no you can't do that because then he real you know then he will you know you're re- then you're screwed or or, or you try yeah. to go through writers or you there's other guys that, that you think got your back, and they don't, and it's it's that's the toughest part. And there's people; the list is endless of of very very talented, uh, you know, athletes that went through that uh, w- w- the WWE. They have the look; they've got great in the ring. They can cut a promo, but they couldn't get a push. And that is, you know, and there's no right way. I don't think to this day. I'm, I'm sure it still exists, and you you hear the frustration of some of these guys that are there, but there isn't. Like you just said, there's no what. You wasted how long, and it took sitting down at a table, finally being able to get to the boss. And if you just would had a fake tan, it would have like what? Yeah, Yeah. after all, very stupid,
0: very minute. um, uh, Just yeah, it could have been totally avoided. Mm -hmm. And I was hit with situations like that periodically throughout my time there. And they, to a certain extent, it takes the boys, and you start they start pitting the boys against each other. And that's not good for business at yeah. all. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with being competitive.
1: Right.
0: Being competitive is good for a business. There's a difference. But there's a complete difference, Sean. Yeah. And, and that wasn't, from what I've seen with my time there, that wasn't their goal. Their goal, uh, I don't really know what their goal was. I still can't figure it out because none of it made sense to me. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it truly didn't make sense to me. Because for us... We were going out killing it on the house shows, Mm -hmm. killing it on the house shows, getting crazy reactions. And then we'd come to TV on Monday expecting a a decent push or at least to be focused on TV because we know Vince is getting all the uh, agent reports from the house shows. And if I remember correctly from what I was told, that's how you got over on TV. You had amazing house show reports did great at house shows which translated to tv
2: yeah
0: that's not how it works at least when i was there that's not how it was working yeah and i just feel like man that formula worked before why try to change it and that reverts me back to the nw man like there it's the wheel bro it's not broken why try to fix it they're they're, they're letting guys go out there and tell stories that people can understand and they can get excited about. It. And people can follow. That's the other thing, Sean.
2: Yeah.
0: People can follow what we're doing on the NWA. And it doesn't get lost in SmackDown or NXT or a thousand Facebook messages. It's focused on one thing and you can follow it get excited about it and understand it and that's why i think people are getting so excited about the nwa because they can understand it
1: now when you when you first went in there and and of course you, you you mentioned about billy and dave and what how they kind of presented this but you're not you won't know until you get there at that point and what was it that uh, you know first really caught your attention that this could work that it was something that uh because you see, young and old now. It's not. It's you know. Of course, you're going to get that that uh, that crowd that loves that you know old school who watched it when it was in the studios and then you know the NWA and AWA and all these other organizations, the territories. But then you you what I see is that you've also got some young people that are, are getting into it. So uh, you know, what did you first really notice that made you say, uh, you know what, there's something to this?
0: Um that first night it was actually in two different phases because I can tell you exactly when it hit me yeah. it was after that first night and after that first TV taping aired yeah. the first night you know you you got a crowd in there and we, we taped four episodes one day five episodes the next day so you're sitting here thinking wow hmm. these folks have got to sit through four hours of pro wrestling and
1: yeah more than that when you them. talk about resetting and you know
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's doesn't include the yeah, you're you're totally right. Yeah. There's way more time. These people have got to sit there and they we've got to keep them up. And been shown by the end of that T V taping those people were just as loud as they were when they started the night. And I was like, Wow, that that says something because most independents can't go out and put on a five match show yeah. in three hours to keep the crowd going. It just it's really it's difficult for a lot of people, but we had them hyped up all the way to the end, and then when you watch the numbers and the comments and their reactions, people weren't they weren't they weren't calling they weren't focusing on people's the way they looked. Yeah. They weren't focusing on on uh, if somebody messed up or if if uh, they weren't focusing on the negative. People were just like, "Wow, this is refreshing! Yeah. Wow, that promo felt real." wow, that guy knocked the piss out of it. They were focusing on the positive shit. Whereas you can't say that about other organizations. It seems as if nowadays we live in a world where it's it's much easier to point out the negative than it is the positive. And if you're looking back at all those comments for those NWA programs, 99% of them are positive. People are just like, wow, this is great. I want more. Uh, uh, Wow, Murdoch have hammered that guy with the spine buster. Yeah. Uh, the girls, wow, you know, Thunder Rose is so great. Aggr- it, it's all positive shit. Yeah, you're going to get your buttholes in there. Yeah. The guys that are just, their world is just, yeah, doesn't trolls, get any better yeah, unless they make it. Yeah, 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 talk shit. Yeah. Which you, you brush by those guys. 99% of the people, though, are just talking about positive shit. And it's not about one dude. That's yeah. the other thing like in those other larger companies that focus on one or two people, you've got a variety of fans that love different parts of the show. That was one of the reasons why I fell in love with wrestling because there were times that I would watch WWF or NWA or world-class and I'd watch the match and be like, ah, this stinks. But so-and-so's coming next. There was something for everybody. There was a variety for everybody. So if you don't like one thing, you had something else. You can't say that about today's TV program nowadays because everybody seems so similar. Yeah. Whereas if you watch an NWA product, you get a variety. You get girls, you get guys, you get big guys, you get little guys, you get fat guys, you get chat guys. You get a variety. There's something for everybody to latch on to, and I think that's the magic that NWA is creating.
1: Yeah, and they, and they, you're right. The, you hit on it right there. With the the characters are so unique. I mean, you've got from you know Aaron Stevens to Ricky Starks is a completely, you know, uh, Trevor Murdoch. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, everybody. Nick has got that, uh, you know, that uh, the National Treasure and the the acts. You know, the English. Uh, you know, I, I told him that he, he reminds me of the Kingsman. He could be like a character from the Kingsman. You know, He's just, no, but, dude, that's a
0: badass flick. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. A badass flick. He's going be perfect
1: you no. I said, I, I, you could be. I could see you in one of those movies. I don't know if that's something he's, uh, you know, part of his plan down the road there. But, but, but it, it's true though. And that's what exactly right. And that's why I said when they brought when they selected this roster, they wanted to make sure that that's what they had. And every one of them had to not only be able to work, but they had to be able. They had to be great in front of that camera. You don't get many shots, uh, you know, when you're starting out something new like that. And you know, they're nailing it. So it's, it is, it's really, well,
0: especially in a program that's, that's very lightly edited. Yeah. Every, you know, you know how it is, man. Money's important. Yeah. Production time is important. So a lot of these matches are literally, they're being taped in order the way they would air. Yeah. So you're getting one shot. You know what I mean? And, and if, if you're not able to step up to the plate and, and knock a home run out, you may not come back. And that was that's the one cool thing. Um, it's a cool thing, but it's a bad thing um, about Dave and Billy, is that they're, they're the company. The only way, one of the main reasons the company is going to survive, is if the the people, if the company goes along with what the people are wanting. And you know what I mean by yeah. that is, if the fans are getting fired up behind a Ricky Starks, there's no political bullshit in the back, man. They're getting behind Ricky. We're going with Ricky. Push them. Getting behind Eli. We're going with Eli. They're getting behind Ken. We're going with Ken. They're getting behind Nick Aldis. We're going with Nick Aldis. Yes. And it's 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 the place that a worker wants to come because if you're going out and you're producing, you're doing putting good matches out. You've got the people behind you in whatever form you need, heel or babyface, and you're doing your job. You're going to get rewarded. You're going to start getting more. You're going to start being put in more high pressure situations. That's how the wrestling business should be, and at one time was yeah. like that. Yeah, and that's why we're that's why we're still having to bring in. We call them that old, you know, the old school guys. But that's why those guys can still come in and be on TV and haven't been seen in a year and get a biggest, the biggest reaction of the night because back then they built stars. Everybody was. Everybody was a star. Yeah, you know, they and at that stars. time,
1: yeah, but at that time too, is you know, I uh, I've often you know told people that I I don't think there's a business that's more of an equal opportunity um, industry than professional wrestling. At least it was at during that period of time because it didn't matter who you were, it didn't matter what walk of life you came from, it had nothing to do with the race, it had nothing to do with the uh, gender, it it and it, all that mattered was can you sell tickets. If you sell tickets, yes. I am going to put you out there. And that's that's the way it should be.
0: That's how – and it works. Right. And everybody's happy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It, and the guys that aren't able to make it to that level, they have something to work for. Whereas guys that are already at that level and they're not getting that chance, they go, oh, why Why, why do I need to continue doing what I'm doing? I'm not going to get where I need to be. Yeah. And NWA gives you that opportunity that's where I go back to the whole dress down thing. Yeah. You can't hide in front of the smoke. You can't hide in front of the lights. You can't hide music, in front of the yeah. music. Yeah. You can't hide in front of a, a catchphrase. You got to go out there and you got to prove to the people every single night, right there in front of you, that you deserve to be in that ring. And I'm I'm extremely thankful that Billy and Dave Lagana give me that platform to do
1: that. Yeah. What is the you, you mentioned the experience of you know like we shot uh, I think five one day for the next or what is it like to uh, you know to do that that have that kind of a production schedule
0: oh man it's insane because you <laughs> you know uh, just uh when you're wrestling you know i i got lucky enough to do the you know to see the the tna impact tv tapings i've been with the wwe the w, and, and yep. their, their, yeah. their 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 production schedule and they take an all-day process an all-day process to get one show together yeah. whereas all of us have to run around Oof. and go okay we've got show one and we still got three more shows to go it's it's a it's a, it's a pressure cooker yeah. but it's an exciting one it, it makes you uh for me it gets me jacked up i get fired up i'm the guy that's like in the back of the locker room come on guys we got this woo, 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 woo. you know <laughs> it, it makes me feel good yeah. Because I know that everybody in the locker room can handle it. It's just a lot of people haven't had that that opportunity to prove it yet. And those first nine tapings are proof in the, you know, the proofs in the pudding. Guys went out there and they busted their ass and gave everything they got, and they came in the back and they're like, "All right, I got another match in an hour and a half. All right, this is what I got to do." And they went out there and they performed as if they were fresh as a daisy. Um, for me, I, it's exciting. It makes me feel like I've earned my money. It keeps me on my toes. Uh, it keeps me. Uh, it, it keeps things uh, fired up back there in the locker room. Now, that, now, what that means, though, is at the end of that day, which is usually a 14-hour day from the time you walked into the building to the time you leave, yeah. everybody is drained. Like When, when the bell rings on the last match, you can look back in the locker room and everybody's just like, oh, shit. Okay, good. We're done, yeah. but they're excited because tomorrow we're going to do it all over again. And they're not—they're not mad. They're not whining. They're not complaining. They're ready to get some sleep, get charged up, and go do it again. And the fact that the fans are coming along with every bit of it—good or—I mean, they're—they're they're there for it. I can't imagine what these next set of TV tapings and this pay per view is going to be like. Uh, I can I can just feel the energy just thinking about it. I can just feel the energy. It's going to be it's going to be amazing.
1: Yeah, it must be tough uh, to you know go through that experience because you do all these shows and then you got to wait until the next one. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, yeah you're like, well, what? you got to get hot, you get cold, yeah.
0: you get yeah. hot, you get cold.
1: But, but then, then in between TV tapings too, and then now they're going to have uh, with these pay per views. But you got these gaps in between. It must be uh, you must be so anxious to get back in case uh, here. See what happens next. You know.
0: Well, yeah, that's, you know, I wanted, I, cause I don't know, we you know, we don't know what we're going to, what's going to happen or yeah. until we get there. So
1: it's, yeah.
0: it's number one, it keeps kayfabe because you know, Stoog patrol, so oh, you, you boy, don't want yeah, to yeah, You we'll don't see. break kayfabe.
1: Social media. But it
0: also, you, you come in and you're like, okay, it's, it's a, it's a fresh reaction. It's an honest reaction. It's okay. This is what we're going to do. Um, I like it. I like the pressure. I like being put in situations where people aren't, they're not sure how it's going to turn out. And I'm in my head, I'm going, don't you worry. I got this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, like my match with the question mark, I'm sure a lot of people aren't, they're not sure how that's going to turn out, which I'm, I'm 100% okay with Yeah, because you're going to find out just like I will at the end of one, two, three. <laughs> that's
1: awesome. Well, you know, uh, uh, Trevor, it may have taken you a while to find the right stage, but I think you found it. And I, uh, I tell you, I just, uh, it's just really exciting to see what's happening with uh, with the NWA and Power, and uh, there's so much more ahead. Uh, so I, I hope you feel the same way. I, I hope that you feel that. Uh, you know, I don't know how. You know, this was a long road, but man, uh, it seems like you're having more fun than you ever have.
0: No, I'm definitely feel like I am in the right place. i I'm, if the shoe fits, I'm in it, brother. Yeah. Uh, it the, the one the one positive thing about all of this is that. Dave and Billy don't micromanage us. Yeah. I've haven't, nev- I've never been with a televised company that said, "Trevor, go out and do what you do." Yeah. And at first, when they said that to me, I was a little shocked. Like I, I was, I froze a little bit because I was like, "I don't, yeah, what, what I'm do you not mean? sure what."
1: <laughs> what do you mean? Well, by that?
0: I'm, okay, all right. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I can do this because yeah. there's always been somebody there Sean, to tell me, you know, this direction, that direction. We don't do this, do this,
2: yeah.
0: and you. That's not how I was brought up, but I got into that mode. So when they said, just do you, yeah. like, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, okay. Go out and
1: have yeah. great Go matches. Yeah.
0: yeah, and after that first match, coming to back, Billy gave me a hug and said, that's what I want every time. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome.
1: Hey, how no can problem. folks uh, follow you? Uh, because I'm sure you're going to get a few more.
0: Yes, sir. I'm on Twitter, at Real Team Murdoch. Same thing with Instagram, same thing on Facebook. Uh, I'm the only fat redneck on there that's willing (laughs) to be me, so, you know, uh, I'm I'm not a hard guy to find, uh, especially now that I've started to immerse myself more back into pro wrestling, get myself back out there again. Hell, I had a lot of people thought I was dead, Sean. Yeah. No, no, no. Hey, believe
1: me, they thought I was too, so...
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know if it's gonna make clock, but I popped when you t- when you contacted me because I'm still, Sean. I'm a wrestling fan at heart. Yeah. So for for you to contact me and ask me to be on your podcast, I popped a little bit. I'm a little bit of a mark man. You're part of my childhood, so I appreciate you calling me and letting me be
1: a part of this. Well, dude, uh, believe me, I I just respect what you do on the ring so much, and real, it's some of the best matches. I mean, you, uh, I, I that they've seen in the new NWA, and I, you know, I go back and I, before I have these interviews and. And watch some of the uh, the older matches and like the stuff you did with Goldust and I mean just great stuff. So I really that I really enjoyed this conversation and I will continue to follow you, and of course what's happening with the uh, new NWA on Power. So folks, remember you can uh, catch it every Tuesday when they uh, drop a new episode and they've got uh, more new episodes out there soon. So be sure and tune in. Trevor Murdoch, thank you so much for being on Primetime. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for having me. Folks, you know, I had never met Trevor before uh, we had our conversation. And uh, we actually recorded that episode before I went to Atlanta for the NWA Power uh, TV tapings. But I have to tell you, you know, after we met, when we met in person, it was like I'd known him forever. I mean, really, just a a, a great guy, very personable, and uh, one of the best hands in the ring, in the business, absolutely. I I tell you, when uh, I started watching... Uh, the uh, Power episodes uh, initially, I was so impressed by him. I mean, he just grabbed my attention right away by what uh, you know he was doing in the ring, and also he just cut some great promos, just uh, one of the best. And I can also tell you after meeting him that uh, he is having the absolute time of his life in the NWA. I am so happy that he decided to put his boots back on. Uh, I'm not sure how we're going to move forward with uh, having more stars from the NWA on. I know we will. But with uh, my new alliance with the National Wrestling Alliance, uh, I will be able to bring you a lot more behind the scenes and and the very latest on what's happening in the NWA. Like I said, I would love to hear your thoughts on what you would like to see happen. Just, um, you know, to just bring NWA personalities on PTSM, or would you like us to launch a completely separate podcast totally devoted to what is happening in the NWA so once again email me at primetimemooney@gmail.com at gmail.com and let me know okay uh, if you like what you heard today and you uh, uh, listen to the podcast through iTunes please subscribe and then also give us a five star rating and review okay because that helps out a lot so uh, uh, if you're if you're downloading through iTunes uh, please do that subscribe. Uh, give us a, a, a five-star rating and a review. Also, remember, you can get the podcast early and absolutely ad-free for just $4.99 a month by becoming a Patreon member. Uh, you can also become an upper-tier member of uh, our membership, uh, become a Mooney or a Legion of Who member, and you will enjoy some other tremendous perks uh, for more information and uh, to sign up we'd love to have you just go to patreon.com slash primetime Mooney that's patreon.com primetime Mooney. all right what else uh, oh yeah there is a new t-shirt out yes very excited about this. Uh, it says uh, guess who's back <laughs> I love this one and uh, some great colors in it you'll you'll recognize the the colors in it because it is NWA related I'll say related um, and uh, so check that out. Uh, and the rest of our fabulous PTSM tea collection by going to MooneyTeas.com. See how simple we make it for you? Just go to MooneyTeas.com and check out all of our uh, great collection. All right, all business taken care of. Uh, catch the latest Vault episode coming up this Saturday. We drop uh, a Vault episode, maybe uh, one from the library you haven't had a chance to listen to, and this is a great way for you to catch up. Uh, of course, on Monday, another great... Uh, a network classic classic that we do uh, with uh, some one of the great shows from the, the past in the uh, WWE. Uh, we do that every Monday and of course another original episode of PTSM on Wednesdays unless of course uh, we have on another NWA personality. In that case we will drop it early on Tuesday nights at 7.05pm. There you have it. Until next time, I'm Sean Mooney and I am out.